2: Welcome back to a wild Thursday, home and home, a radio.com sports original, all out of whack here on time, home and home brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter lot to get to in the next couple of hours, trying to check in with Jeffrey Wright from 9290 SPN in Memphis to talk about the Titans game with the Jags tonight. Marcus Mariota, Derrick Henry, can he do it again? 238 yards last time they played. Also, Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports on all the happenings in college football. And there's a college game day sign, if my man Jordan Cohn can put that up. It was a college game day sign, which is the signature now of that Saturday morning program that asked for beer money. We're going to talk to the young man that made that sign and how in the world it led to more than $100,000, if all goes according to plan, to a children's hospital, not just for beer money. There is the sign for those of you watching, not just listening on the radio.com app. Follow us at RDC Home and Home. I'm Dave Briggs. Follow me at Dave Briggs TV and Ross Tucker at Ross Tucker NFL. All right, Ross, let's get into quickly the cover of the Sports Illustrated this week, who is Dak Prescott, feature story by Connor Orr. And when you look across the league, do you think Dak Prescott is quickly becoming, at least in the conversation, of the handful of best quarterbacks in the NFC?
3: Uh, Yeah, I mean, if you're going to phrase it that way, I think he is becoming uh, one of the handful of best quarterbacks in the NFC. It certainly feels like he's playing the best football of his career. Perfect timing for him, by the way, with him angling for a new contract. I think it's also interesting, Dave, in that it's unbelievable how many endorsements he has. I was watching the Thursday night game, and there's like three or four different commercial campaigns that all involve Dak Prescott, and that's really before he started to play this well, but that's the power of being the Cowboys quarterback, especially when the Cowboys have a good team, and I also think there's no doubt in my mind that Dak, Zeke, those names help I mean, if his name was John Prescott or Dave Prescott, I don't think he'd be getting, I I just think there's something cool about Dak and Zeke. And I think it's also why he's not just taking whatever the best offer is that the Cowboys are making him because he's making so much money off the field, which by the way, only reinforces the Cowboys point about the value of being the Cowboys quarterback and taking a little bit less to be the Cowboys quarterback.
2: Yeah, the author of that piece, I mentioned Conor O'Rourke, he writes, he talked to some marketing execs, actually, as part of this piece, who said the endorsements, Pepsi, Tostitos, Campbell's Chunky Soup and Beats, is tens of millions more dollars because he's a cowboy than it would be for someone else. So that that's a piece that Jerry Jones must have been awfully happy about, the value of that star on the helmet Will he factor it in? Because Jerry Jones certainly wants him to. And you have to make an argument that he's at least in the top three or four, probably still Russell Wilson and or Aaron Rodgers, but he's outplayed them both in the early going. Seven touchdowns in two games. It took him six weeks to get that many last season. So we will check in with Connor or tomorrow about this Sports Illustrated cover piece and just how much the star is worth to Dak Prescott and other Cowboys like Zeke Elliott. Zeke, who... Uh, The T-shirt says, but let's now talk about these Thursday night matchup. Ross Tucker's favorite matchup all year long between the Titans and Jaguars. We'll check in with Jeffrey right now on 92.9 ESPN in Memphis. Jeffrey, good to see you. It's Dave Briggs. It's Ross Tucker. And Ross wonders why every year seemingly it's Jags, Titans on a Thursday night. Any theories?
0: Yeah, I th- you know, it does – I think Ross is 100% right. It does feel like a, a traditional matchup, like you have the Lions on Thanksgiving. It just feels like you got the Jags and the Titans on a Thursday night. Not even the Thursday night network game. It just feels like it's going to be on one of the Thursday night NFL network games. So my big theory is uh, the league just tries to get it out of the way and put this on Thursday – Particularly not on the Fox night. And uh, if you can get it out of the way, either at this point in the season or like that nice sweet spot of like December 15th, you know, right, right, right when everyone's still in the middle of holiday shopping and everyone's not, you can skip a Thursday night game. It feels like that they just kind of target that for this game.
3: Jeffrey, I'm curious. I think we've probably talked about this before on your show, which is available on the Radio.com app, and people should definitely check it out. But give me the give me the breakdown in the city of Memphis about NFL fandom, and then in particular how they feel about the Titans.
0: Very fascinating question. Um, it's actually so one of my really good friends is in local television, and so. There was this thought of Memphis being a a college basketball town and an SEC football town, and I had him send me the ratings. And the ratings locally for NFL here, it's basically a top-10 market week in, week out for the NFL. Now, in terms of Titans breakdown, it's very difficult to say because in general, I feel like because the Titans are perpetually – sitting between seven and nine and nine and seven. It's tough to have like a real passionate uh, fan base, if you will, locally. But in terms of like breakdown, they clearly, they clearly are, I think the number one team. And then it's going to be some variation of the Steelers, the Cowboys. There's a small Raiders contingency, but in general, it's still, it's a, it's a good NFL town. And I would say the Titans are I don't know if they dominate the market, but they certainly lead it. Uh,
2: the guy you're going to be facing tonight, Jalen Ramsey, he's talked about the teams in the past that he would like to play for on a podcast on Earth from the summer. One of those teams was Nashville, of course. He talked about Vegas and Nashville. Uh, do you hear that they are in on this and any likelihood that Ramsey gets to switch uniforms? Yes. I-
0: I keep being told that they are in on it, but every time that a deal, I said, "Okay, well, I'm not going to just bite here. What, what, what is the deal? Because if you look at what the Titans have, I, I, I want to know. I want to know what the Jaguars are getting back. And every deal that has been told to me, if the Jaguars would take it, they deserve every bad fortune that comes their way. And for the record, they certainly have not appeared to have done so." I, I just if you're the Jags and you have Jalen Ramsey, Jalen Ramsey, I do believe is not only an elite corner. We saw him when he was at Florida State. He can play safety as well. Like he is an elite game-changing defensive back. And if I'm the Jaguars, I'm treating him as such. And if you want him, I just saw what I just saw what the Dolphins got from Minka Fitzpatrick and the bidding starts there. And if I'm not getting that offer, then I'm moving on. And I'm trying to make this work.
3: Jeff, I want to talk about Mariota the quarterback with the Titans. Are you still in and believe that he could be the guy for the next ten years? Are you out on that or are you still on the fence?
0: I think he's and see if you agree with this Ross I think he's kind of the new remember how we used to have like the Andy Dalton Mendoza line of he's the baseline of what you need to be basically a, a good team or a, you know an eight and eight an eight to 10 win team, but he's not going to elevate your football team. I think that's what it is. And because if you really look at even, even in the, even in the Browns win, the biggest struggle that we saw for the Titans in both weeks, their third down conversion rate. I mean, guys, they're converting 15% of third downs. They're dead last. And I just, I'm a big believer in all my years of watching football the biggest difference between converting third downs and not converting third downs is how good of a, how good of a quarterback you have, and particularly how good of a passer you have. And I think, I think the bigger issue that it causes for the Titans is because they're not converting third downs, they're really struggling of an offensive identity because I do think Derrick Henry has proven, you know, this guy's a guy that can be a consistent every down back and he's a feature back. But the problem is Marcus Mariota to have success really needs to throw on early downs and so they're really constantly battling between you know do we need to throw early here and try to set us up for success or do we need to feed the big guy and i think that's going to be the most fascinating the most fascinating dynamic to watch with the or to watch with the Titans moving forward
2: I would expect Jacksonville to try to do one thing, and that stopped Derrick Henry after the 99-yard touchdown, 238 yards, rushing a career high on 17 carries against them last time. Boy, did that explode his career. I mean, obviously they are feeding him differently, uh, giving him more opportunity, but does he talk about what, what clicked in or what changed the last several games? I believe leads the league in just about every yeah. rushing category since that point.
0: Well, really, if you go to it goes back to last year with Matt LaFleur and Matt LaFleur came in to the Titans and he was trying to install the, the the, you know, the number one buzzword right now in the NFL is install the Sean McVay offense. And it failed spectacularly. And then they got away from that last year and they decided, hey, we've got a 250 pound hoss. Let's start there. And from that point forward, the last you know eight games of the year, Derrick Henry, was, I think arguably yards per play, I think he was the best running back in, in all the NFL. And so really it goes back to a philosophical change for the Titans, and they just realized, okay, this is where it has to start for us. And this year they're trying to, under Arthur Smith, they're trying to get closer to a, more of a, a modern NFL offense But if you really watch what they do, a lot of their passing is they've got a really good screen game and. They're trying to involve their tight ends a lot. They're trying to they're trying to look modern from when I watch them look like a modern NFL while still offering relatively safe throws for Mariota. And to me, that's actually alarming because. This is this is kind of the year that everyone had targeted for Mariota. Mariota, I beg your pardon, year five. And if you're still if you're still trying to protect your guy in year five, that's a pretty good indicator to me that this isn't a long term answer.
3: You know, you mentioned earlier, Jeffrey, about you know college football, and I, I would have thought that Memphis was primarily a college hoops and an SEC college football team, uh, it's college football town as well. Are you guys split 50-50 between the Vols and the Rebs? Like, what what is the split? And obviously not not real good. I, I would imagine you get a lot of calls on how bad the Vols are, but tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, there's no question.
0: I mean, even though, even though for Memphis being roughly a six-hour drive away from Knoxville, it's still a Tennessee vol state. And the way that I would always – it's still a false city. The way that I would always say it is, if you look at it in recruiting, if the University of Tennessee wants a guy, and Ole Miss wants a guy, nine times out of ten the University of Tennessee is getting him, and it's not even from a program prestige. It's just there's they're just able to surround. Uh, Tennessee is able to surround, unlike really anyone else in the market. But Memphis is really a fascinating, a fascinating case study for SEC fandom because. While the closest SEC school is Ole Miss, you're right across the river from Arkansas. Mississippi State has really, really recruited just normal high school students in the city very, very, very hard. So they've built up a really big fan base. Vanderbilt football's never really going to have much of a fan base, but there's still a a decent amount of, of, there's still a decent Vanderbilt presence here. And then obviously with, Alabama being as successful as they've been, uh, there's a lot of high school kids, particularly a lot of high school kids in Memphis that go, yeah, I want to go to school there. And so it's this it's this real big fruit salad right now in terms of, of SEC fandom. But it, it's still, particularly when the Vols are, are, when you lose to Georgia State coming out of the gate and then you give up that throw that they gave up to BYU to send the game to overtime, It was certainly going to, uh, it was going to stir up some folks.
2: All right, Jeffrey Wright, good to talk to you. Uh, Jags and Titans tonight. I think, what do you got? Tennessee, a one and a half point favorite. One and a half. half. Do they cover?
0: I think so. At the end of the day, it's the, I think, I think there's, I can see more ways where Tennessee covers than more ways where Jacksonville, because essentially you're you basically having to pick Jacksonville to win. And I just, I watched all of the Texans Jags games, Gardner Minshew made that great drive down in the end. But a lot of that was a lot of that was the, the Texans were trying to not give up a big play, a big touchdown. And then Minshew made the big run. It wasn't really a sustainable offense.
2: Okay. Follow him. Uh, Jeffrey Wright, 92, nine ESPN. Appreciate you joining us. Got you a little free money there. Uh, Coming up in just a bit, we'll check in with Brad Evans from Yahoo Sports, has some fantasy advice for you, some tequila tips as well, in all likelihood. We'll talk to Brad about what all the quarterback carnage means for a couple high-profile stars in the National Football League, but first, hiring can be a challenge. As Codable co-founder Gretchen Huebner discovered, Gretchen needed to hire a a game artist for her education tech company, she knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow her team. That's why she went to ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience, invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter and said she was so impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones. That is how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. See why ZipRecruiter is so effective for business of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our exclusive address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire at Yahoo noise, Brad Evans, fantasy tips right around the corner. Free money Thursday continues here on home and home. What is the fantasy impact of the quarterback carnage across the league? Let's bring in my man, Brad Evans at Yahoo noise on Twitter from the, dented rocky mountains as they often are good to see you brad it's ross tucker it's dave briggs hola
1: amigos yes uh, the rockies are still sagging much like the denver broncos prospects of making the playoffs oh, this year
2: that hurts thank you for that reminder all right thursday night football jags and titans we'll get to the fantasy impact in a moment but that matchup how much tequila does that prompt you i mean is that a two three four tequila scale
1: uh, maybe the entire bottle. I mean, this was perfectly crafted for Tequila Thursday. This matchup uh, with a total of 39. I think it's going to be a war of attrition between these two clubs. Uh, there are, you know, are some vulnerabilities in the trenches for both squads. As the Titans have allowed 5.0 yards per carry, 5.1, excuse me, to the running back position in the early season. Meanwhile, Jacksonville has given up. Uh, close to five on their own. So I think you're going to see another heavy dose of Derrick Henry, a little deja vu. I think it's going to be 238 yards and four touchdowns like the last time he faced this Jaguars team. But, um, you know, 85 and a score, I think it's definitely in the cards there. Leonard Fournette, I have down for 83 combined, no touchdown. Curious to see what Gardner Minshew does against what I feel is a plus secondary in this game. Minshew completing close to 70% of his attempts. Last week, so yeah, I mean, it's it's hideous for fantasy purposes, but uh, because there's sports betting, because there's DFS, because there's player props on the line, it'll keep us all interested.
3: All right. So, Brad, I got two questions here. All right. The first question is, I had two tight ends on my fantasy feast podcast roster. That's my league that I take the most seriously. It's with the listeners. My two quarterbacks were Ben Roethlisberger and Sam Darnold. (laughs) I have two tight ends, Jordan Reed and Dallas Goddard. Oh, God. Okay. So my question is, Brad, I'm now 0-2. I am in 15th place in a 16-team league. (laughs) My question is, do I just quit, not even look at my lineup anymore, forget it ever happened, probably lose every game and just out of sight, out of mind, or do I try to keep battling with a bunch of injured guys?
1: Knowing the staunch competitor that you are, Ross, uh, I think you got to keep grinding, man. Well, here's the good news. I mean, with all the quarterback turnover, hopefully you picked up a QB and plugged them in this week. Uh, if you didn't, and Kyle Allen is still available Uh, I think he is somebody who's highly employable uh, here in week three. You know, Cam Newton is trending toward doubtful. Uh, His foot is still immobilized in a boot. Uh, We'll see what the long-term impacts of that's going to be beyond week three. But Allen, and I understand was against a bunch of New Orleans Saints backups in week 17 last year, but he was outstanding in his lone start. Uh, A guy that completed 67% of his attempts, 238 passing yards, a pair of passing touchdowns. Also ran. a touchdown in, along with 19 rush yards. And you look at the matchup, it's Arizona. Again, without Patrick Peterson, without Robert Alford, uh, Byron Murphy and Tremaine Brock have been roasty-toasty in the early going. They've given up 8.0 yards per attempt. So Kyle Allen could be sneaky good and make you look like a genius and hopefully get you in the win column. But, man, you you got to power through, brother. Just power through.
2: I'm going to stay on the quarterback card. Carnage theme, and I'm just curious how it impacts a lot of the weapons uh, in the league, whether it be Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, and whether you go to Pittsburgh, James Conner and Juju, whether you go to Carolina, Christian McCaffrey and company, how do the notable quarterback departures impact the weapons around them?
1: Yeah, let's start off at Pittsburgh with Mason Rudolph. I actually believe in in Rudolph's skill set. I mean, this guy throws a beautiful deep ball. Uh, he made you know some serious noise during his days in Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy's offense, which was kind of a version off of Mike Leach's air raid scheme. So I think he could step in and you know really chuck it down the field early and often. We saw it last week with Juju Smith Schuster. You know immediately when. Rudolph came in. They connected on a forty plus yard pass play. so james washington, i I think sees the biggest value uptick just because of the chemistry, the rapport that uh, he had with Rudolph uh, in Stillwater. Uh, and then meanwhile, you know, you look at some of the other peripheral players. Vance McDonald was heavily targeted, had a pair of touchdowns with Rudolph last week. Uh, I, you know, I'm not really downgrading Juju. I've got him as a back end wide receiver one. Uh, I think James Conner, though, could be in trouble because if Rudolph does struggle, Conner, who's seen a stack front already 38.1% of the time, could see even more overloaded boxes. Now, in New Orleans, uh, you know, I'm not downgrading Michael Thomas a whole lot, maybe a slight knock against him or an Alvin Kamara slight knock against him as well. I mean, Thomas had 10 receptions last week, many of those from Teddy Bridgewater. Now, I you know, the wild card here, obviously, is Taysom Hill. Will we see him? At the controls uh, at some point is this going to be a full blown QBBC quarterback by committee Uh, that will be determined uh, this week up there in the great Northwest against the Seattle Seahawks. But uh, I I think the guys that take the biggest value hit in New Orleans, probably Jared Cook, in my estimation, Uh, he is more of a back end or fringy tight end one in in a 12 team league, barely a top 15 guy, in my estimation. Um, And then also to just some of the other additional guys like a Traquan Smith, if you were able to go this week. But, you know, for the most part, I think the the major name should remain intact. Same applies in Carolina. I honestly believe that right now, Kyle Allen is probably an upgrade over the current uh, physical state of Cam Newton.
3: So, all right, here's the next question. We got Mariota tonight. Jameis Winston Sunday against Danny Dimes. It's year five for these guys, Brad. Should we give up hope with Jameis Winston and Mariota as real quarterbacks and big-time fantasy quarterbacks?
1: Uh, Mariota, most definitely. Uh, I mean, he's out there sipping pina coladas in uh, probably like 90% of Yahoo free agent pools right now. Uh, Jameis Winston's a little bit different story. I mean, he's a bit of a train wreck. Uh, you know, you hope that eventually with him and in, in the marriage to Bruce Arians, it's gonna turn out swimmingly. Uh, I think he's got a golden opportunity this week, just given the matchup. I mean, if he can't get it done against the Giants, we've given out 10.6 pass yards per attempt uh this season. Um, and you know, you look at some of the guys in that secondary, Janorah Jenkins has been okay. Uh, but Ward has given up a perfect passer rating to his assignment so far this season. I mean, again, if he can't feed Mike Evans, uh, if Chris Godwin can't get in the end zone uh, once again, if OJ Howard can't get in the mix against this defense, then yes, all hope is lost for Jameis Winston. But I think that ship has already sailed for Marcus Mariota.
2: A uh, former Bucs quarterback and a friend of ours, Sean King likes to use the term hot garbage to describe (laughs) awful performances. And that would work to sum up Joe Mixon's Garbage effort through two weeks and also Devonte Freeman. Are you writing those two off in two weeks? After two weeks,
1: yeah. I mean, you look at Mixon, they've got another injury on in the offensive line that just cropped up overnight. Uh, I saw a blurb on that this morning. I'm like, good lord, have mercy. Are the bungles uh, snake bitten right now? So that does not bode well for Mixon uh, to try to write the ship this week and Western New York against the Buffalo Bills there in Orchard Park. So I mean, his yards after contact per attempt have been hideous, uh, to say the least. Now, you can blame the the garden variety ankle sprain. Uh, you could blame the offensive line, but Mixon's just been totally ineffective. So, at this juncture, uh, you know, if you've got viable options to lean on, say, like a Carlos Hyde this week, a Royce Freeman, my boy David Montgomery, I would employ all those guys ahead of Mixon. Yes, the guy you probably spent a premium pick on in your fantasy draft, likely a high-end round two selection, um, yeah, that is extremely worrisome. Now, Freeman, I think, has got a better chance to rebound uh, this week going against Indianapolis as the Colts have had their issues in terms of defending the run. I mean, Austin Eckler put up ridiculous numbers uh, a week ago against this unit. So or a couple of weeks ago against this unit. So I would not be at all surprised if Freeman goes out there and gets yeah, you know, something around 65 to 75 combined yards. Good chance of finding the end zone in this one. Uh, but yeah, again, the secondary analytics. Only one player has posted a lower yak per attempt than Devonte Freeman, and it's one, yes, the bloated one himself, Kalen Balaj, who uh, hopefully is out there expended on every fantasy roster imaginable.
3: All right, so tell me who I should be, you know, dropping now. Who, who I should be selling high on. Is it John Ross? Is it Dak? Give me the guys that got off to great starts that you're not buying. You think now's the time to try to trade them.
1: Yeah, I think John Ross is a, a prime example of a guy that uh, you should be dealing right now, at least shopping his services. I mean, if, if you could command a Mike Evans, say, in return for John Ross, I think you – You play, uh, you know, on the meek. You take advantage of people that believe in the hype. Now, Ross is being deployed appropriately. I mean, he's got electric speed. We all know that. Uh, And Zach Taylor's really maximized that. But, you know, I still got to believe it to see it if this can continue. I know it's back-to-back weeks. If he gets it done this week in Buffalo, uh, I think then, you know, I'd be feeling a little bit better about it, knowing that now A.J. Green came out and said a couple of days ago, Hey, that six to eight week timeline that was originally, you know, placed on me to return. Yeah, that's not exactly accurate. So we may not see AJ until mid-October and maybe even later than that. So Ross, this is a nice wave to ride. And really a similar idea applies to Austin Eckler, right? Because Melvin Gordon's waiting in the wings. He's got to return to accrue the uh, the season, the, the free agency, which he desperately wants. Uh, so we can get that big contract, hopefully, in the offseason. Uh, but Austin Eckler, his value can't get any higher. He's the number one running back in fantasy right now, and he's commanding absurd value in return. Um, you know, I would probably give it another week, but after this week, uh, I would definitely dangle his services, see what you can get in return. Dak, you know, you know, same with like a Lamar Jackson. I mean, I'm holding on to these guys. You know, most people play in single quarterback leagues. So, I mean, you could uh, shop them around knowing you may have uh, some viable options, say like an Andy Dalton or Josh Allen still available on waivers that you could just stream the position rest of season. But Guys, Lamar Jackson's schedule is redonkulous. Let me just read this to you after this week, because I think this is going to continue. I think he's going to be the number one quarterback in fantasy heading into the bye week of Baltimore, which is week eight. You get Kansas City this week, then Cleveland at Pittsburgh, Cincinnati at Seattle. Holy mother of God. There are going to be a lot of fantasy points accumulated by Lamar Jackson.
2: Can he outperform from a fantasy perspective, Patrick Mahomes someday?
1: Yeah, I think he can. It's all about the scoring duality, right? Uh, I mean, Lamar didn't run week one because he didn't have to do jack squats, knowing it was the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Instead, he just, you know, flicked the wrist for five touchdowns and going over 300 yards in that one. Uh, I think, you know, last week he went over 100 yards on the ground. I think you're going to see more of that multidimensionality of him against Kansas City. What's odd is the total on this game has come down. Uh, It's been hammered down from 55 to 52 in some locales, which to me is a head scratcher. I don't understand it. I think it's going to be, you know, first to 35 to 40 wins. This could be a replication of the Rams-Chiefs game. Of course, that was just a bonanza for fantasy goodness last year. Uh, I love everybody in this game. I think Lamar Jackson, though, because of his ability to tuck and run, whether design runs or opportunistic ones, will outperform Patrick Mahomes on Sunday.
3: All right, Brad, I want you to tell me the best things you've heard for fantasy losers, guys that get last in a fantasy league. What are the best things? I've heard things like you have to take the SATs. You have to sit in the Denny's for 24 straight hours. Give
1: me one. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of those that are out there. Uh, You know, there's a lot of uh, people that do, like, tattoos, which I think is crazy. Uh, I know Matthew Barry at ESPN, uh, he added in his Fantasy Life book that there is a league uh, somewhere in the Midwest, and the loser gets a tattoo. So, I mean, it's permanent. I mean, this is not a, a henna tattoo. This is full ink, and his league mates get to decide the design. And one year they had, like, uh, Miley Cyrus on the wrecking ball uh, they had on, like, his calf. Now, I guess the the guy that loses, he gets to place it. So if he wants to put it on the left cheek, the right cheek, he wants to hide it somewhere, uh, that's his decision. But the actual design of the tattoo is up to the people in his league, which I find utterly absurd. That is crazy. (laughs) That is all in. And they have a lawyer in that league who makes everybody sign legally binding contracts. So you can't back out of it. You're in this or you're going to get sued. It's nuts.
2: That is out of your freaking mind. I have the worst fantasy league in the world. There's no loser punishment. There's no shit talk. There's no trading. I mean, what are you supposed to do when you've got one of those leagues out there for, for people that are playing in a league like mine? There are others who just have a bunch of old dudes who don't smack talk, don't trade, nothing goes on. Do you just get out and find yourself a new league? What's your advice?
1: Yeah, I would. Or, you know, I would just uh, take the bull by the horns, uh, you know, seize control of the situation say, you know what we're going to do next year, guys? We're going to turn this dial up to 11. We're going to Vegas. We're going to draft uh and you know we're gonna have these smack talk sessions in person at least you know lay a foundation of what is encouraged in terms of the exchanges between one another throughout the course of the year but uh, if you do it you know do a draft you do it in person do it in a special location maybe at a casino out there in connecticut briggs uh where you live uh whatever just to spice it up you could do that you could have weekly prizes as well, well uh, you could add like a DFS element. I mean, you could do all kinds of different things, but there's just some people out there who are totally lame. And you know Brad, it's it's, cults, you can't do anything.
2: It's like a marriage, you know, when it's just kind of lost the spice, it's kinda lost the passion, you know? Just kind of one of those marriages, somebody gets fat and then the other one gets fat, and then you just stop giving a <laughs> crap, you know? <laughs> And and you need something to spice it up. I, I don't know if it's, it's certainly not lingerie in this case, but uh, you got to spice up the <laughs> Fantasy League like you do the marriage. All right, Brad Evans, follow him at Yahoo Noise on Twitter. Happy Tequila Thursday. Casamigos tonight?
1: Uh, Casamigos Añejo sitting in my freezer right now because I drink it neat and ice cold. That's how I like it.
2: <sighs> You're going to need a lot of it tonight, Jags and Titans. Yes. Thank you, my friend. See you boys. All right, he's Brad Evans from Yahoo Sports, from the dented Rocky Mountains. Hey, Tucker, do you do you know what I mean about kind of a fantasy league where it just kind of loses the spice? There's no sex appeal left to it.
3: Yes, I do, and I and I'll say this too. I I heard I saw a pretty good uh, last place fantasy thing uh, this summer. So these are young guys, Princeton football players who were at like their their first reunion. So they're out of school for a year. The loser of their fantasy league, all the other guys throughout the reunion weekend get to pour a beer on his head at any moment, whenever they want. <laughs> Wait, it's at, amazing. At any moment, no matter what he's yeah, wearing. So I w- correct. So I was talking, and the loser, by the way, uh was a kid named Quinn Epperly, who was the Ivy League player of the year and played in the pros for a couple years and bounced around. I was talking with him. All of a sudden, while I'm talking with him, somebody comes over and dumps a beer on his head. And I'm like, whoa. And I, and I expect the person to run or I expect Quinn to get, like, all upset about it. And he just kind of shakes his head, smiles a little bit. And the guy that did it to him was just there laughing. And I'm like, whoa, what is going on here? Somebody poured a beer on my head. I would put my fist right through their nose. Like, are you kidding me? And then they told me. But here's what's funny. Like at reunions, Briggs, you go out till like 2 a.m. Like it's a big time party. He was telling me that like Saturday morning, he went went to bed at 3 a.m., all of a sudden, at 6 a.m., there was a knock on the door. He got up out of bed, went over, opened the door, boom, beer on top of his head. Oh. At 6 a.m. on three hours sleep, and he said he didn't shower. He, he just went right back and laid right back down in that bed. That's how tired it was. he. was. And he said when he heard
2: the door knocking, he knew exactly what it was. There is no way I am in on that. I mean, I want to spice it up, but that would suck. Maybe a glass of water. And if your name's Quinn Epperly, you just have to go to the Ivy League. I mean, you have no choice but to go to the Ivy League because you don't fit in a state school with idiots like me. You got to go to a state school when you're Quinn Epperly. I bet he's Quinn Epperly the third or the fourth or the fifth. Coming up in the third hour of Home and Home, we're going to talk to Pete Dammel about all that's happening in college football. Georgia, Notre Dame, and three states now pushing legislation that would pay NCAA athletes. Also, we'll dive into the Giants debate over the handling of Eli Manning and how Daniel Jones could impact Eli's Hall of Fame status, all of that to get to, plus a college game day sign asking for beer money that ended up raising thousands of dollars for a children's hospital. All that after a quick break.
1: How powerful is Cox Internet?